As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. Hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, uh, two true freaks guide to heroes on TV, covering Preacher, season two, episode seven, called Pig, this week, and I'm surrounded by swine tonight, uh, the usual <laughs> swine, there we go, uh, Brian and Beth Hughes, <laughs> this little piggy uh, is named Brian Will Hughes, and his wife is Beth Hughes, and Hola. we will be having some Pink Floyd in this podcast, of course. <laughs> And Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, my, my usual regular co-host. Uh, oink, oink, baby. Oink, oink. Once again, we have uh, drafted uh, Pat Delmore, who is apparently with us for the duration now, so that's fine. Son of a bit, 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 son of a bit, 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 well, son of a gun. <laughs> you just... thought I was going to say son of a bitch, didn't you? Yeah, yeah classic. You know, it's, it's, you know, swearing is almost mandatory on a preacher cast, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, like a, uh, oh, we'll get to that. But yeah, so um, once again, we're we're doing uh, preacher cast, and, and good to have you, Pat. As said as as we've done many times before, you are officially like part of the preacher cast podcast now. So, yay! All right. And and thank you, he's joining me over on uh, Mindless Drivel to do American Gods too. So we have fully initiated this young lad, and he is pretty much officially a freak at this point. So we accept you, one of us. Nobody we posted anything you. on Facebook that made me feel guilty about doing that podcast last night. So good, good. Uh, <laughs> Tell me, Patrick, would you consider yourself to be a pious nature? Yes. Are you a Christian? <laughs> 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 I don't think you can watch the show and, and remain particularly pious. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm remaining relatively pious. Well, you know, me and your Catholics, we can just go erase that shit every weekend if we want. You know, no. only if you're actually only if you're actually sorry. <laughs> only if you're actually I, sorry. And I'm not sorry for watching this because it's awesome. So let's let's do this. Indeed. Well, I, I almost uh, it was almost kind of a letdown. Um, right in the beginning of this, unfortunately, because we open with our big title card that says Vietnam. And of course, us comic readers went right to Jesse Custer's dad's story in the comic books. But then I did the math and I'm like, they're probably not going to do that because it wouldn't work out time wise um, because that was early 90s comic. But yeah, so it's it's not the uh, story of John Custer, but I, I think we'll probably get some story on him eventually. Oh, uh, we'll have to. We'll yeah. have to. <laughs> We open in Vietnam and focus in on the shack of a house and a very, very large pig. Uh, the camera enters the home and we see a couple having dinner. Suddenly the wife starts screaming as if Godzilla himself is coming uh, while looking out the window. As she pulls her husband over, shocked, he drops his dinner. And next we're treated to the arrival of Hare Star in all his white-suited glory. And he asks the boy who has come to greet him, where is it? It is the aforementioned pig, of course, which appears to have the power of levitation. 
And Star just says shit, and we roll into opening credits. I was just tripping out how she was just screaming and screaming. When when I get freaked out, I can't get shit out. I just can't scream at all, much less move. I just get still. The shock silence. So I'm like, what the hell? I guess other women scream where I get still and can't get nothing out. I think most people in that situation would have kind of a shock jaw on the floor situation going yeah. on. Yeah. That doesn't play I, as well on TV, I guess. I would just be thinking about flying bacon. Right. <laughs> and, and Pink Floyd, <laughs> of course. Uh, and grabber had to make him look. What were you going to say, Brian? Actually, I'm going to hold off on it, on that till, till later. Oh, gee. Okay. <laughs> just wanted to interrupt me. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so it's good when they argue uh, during the show and not in the outtakes. It's easier to find and, and turn up the volume on. That's why podcasts are the American you should, people. You should leave the fighting in and then in the background play Who Gets the Family Bible. Yes, that's, that's also why. I'm, this is also why we podcast on opposite ends of the house. <laughs> yeah, not a bad idea. Yeah, that's one me and yeah, Sarah never learned. Yeah. That's why I won't be probably podcasting with a significant other anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> this doesn't seem to go as well for me. Anywho. Uh, back in New Orleans, uh, cleanup crew is collecting passed out trunks. I just love this. Did, this is probably actually a you, thing in New Orleans too. You know, just scraping did, people. Did up happen off. to notice that the, the carts that they used to travel uh, to pick them up sound like uh, the Jetsons, Jetsons cars? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was. Awesome. Yes, it did. That was awesome. <laughs> I was laughing my ass yeah. off. I'm like, that has to be intentional. Oh God, yes. You know. Uh, <laughs> And it, and it would make sense that we would have this. As I said, it wouldn't surprise me if this isn't actually a thing in in places like New Orleans where you might just have a street full of passed out drunk people at the end of the night. <laughs> Shit, my own hometown could use a service like that. Uh, and I was probably one of the people I'd be cleaning up at one point in my life. So we get a title card telling us that Jesse and crew are coming out of the last jazz club in the city, uh, and, and no God to be found, apparently, except I still maintain he was the, the, the super fan back a couple episodes. There's a street uh, doom and gloom preacher in front of the club trying to cheer Jesse up about the failure of his club searching. Cassidy suggests they take a break and have some fun, and he knows just the place. And, of course, we end up in the underground get shot while wearing a vest club that was uh, previously mentioned last episode, I think. Last, uh, maybe a couple ago, but... Cassidy and Tulip come in uh, first role-playing as a couple, and Cassidy is the willing boyfriend who gets strapped up with the vest. And Jesse comes in playing the righteous preacher, of course, uh, asking the crowd if they think God would be okay with this, basically. And Tula picks up the biggest gun and gives Cassidy quite the kiss to sell apart. And Jesse, although in on the con, does give us a little quick flash of jealousy. Uh, the MC. Yeah, that was just the scene out of uh, The Color of Money. The two two brothers and a stranger. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. Nice. It sure was. Good catch. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because I, I just, I, I didn't really understand the 
the the reason for the whole con, but I guess they wanted Jesse there as backup, you know, just in case things went south. Or, but yeah, he's the one that up the he's the one that up the bat. Yeah, you get someone to go in and raise, and then you get someone to sit there and come in there and say that they're going to fail, raise up the bat, put them on the spot, so everybody starts throwing out their money because this one guy, you know, is has gotten under his skin, and they're you know just one of the classic cons. Well, the MC, as it were, uh, shoots and it goes right through the plate. Of course, uh, Cassidy starts bleeding profusely. Jesse plays his part and tells the crowd the you know, the right thing to do is to call the cops, but they of course all flee instead. And Cassidy plays dead and is hurt a bit, but Tulip is there with the emergency blood Capri Sun pouch. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I feel great. Open bar, you know. (laughs) So this is basically the whole reason for them to have a nice place to party and grab a little money. So the trio and Dennis are hanging out and drinking, and Tulip asks Jesse about uh, the saint making sure that he's back in hell and just Jesse continues the white lie and no way that'll come back to haunt him I'm sure Uh, Jesse and Tulip leave after a very funny little exchange where they start out pissed at each other and you know anyone who's been in relationships has has had this little moment I think that you know you're right on the precipice of, of an argument for no good reason and then someone will say something stupid or mean and you know both start laughing so this was a cute little scene well uh, oh go ahead no i was just saying it really was yeah Yeah, i wish we'd have those moments more often Mm -hmm. me and brian we don't. Oh. They oh. <laughs> were saying Jesse and Tulip. Okay. Well, you know, I'm a red hot at Mexican, you know, so it, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't end well usually. <laughs> I don't, I don't, and read Brian, I, I don't suspect he, lo- he wins a lot of the uh, arguments. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. We're all evolved here. You know, you can let the woman win. It's not, or... it, it's not about the initial argument. It's about the, the words that come later. And that's the way it works with us. Yeah. That first argument, anything can fly out of anybody's mouth and, and you, you, you walk away angry later on, you come together and it works out. Yeah. You kind of have to give each other like a 10 minute, uh, this never happened, you know, or this was never said, even if it was, you know, kind of mulligan. <laughs> as far as being a couple of any significant amount of time. Um, yeah. But if, if anything about me pisses her off, that sometimes I won't let her leave the room angry. Yeah, that's it's always. Yeah. I, oh, yeah, that. that pisses me off so bad. I'm like, let me walk away. You don't understand. Yeah. You've just worked me up to the point where you need to let me walk away. Yeah, <laughs> I've had furniture thrown at me because I tried to not let someone walk away before. Long story. Cops might have been involved. Um So anyway, uh, Jesse and Tulip leave to, to go have manufactured makeup sex, uh, pr- presumably, because sometimes you just fight to have the makeup sex, too, let's be honest. Uh, right. <laughs> Cassidy goes back to listening to Dennis, uh, who's babbling at him in French, who he still can't understand, of course. But the only other person at the bar does, uh, I believe his name was Plot Device, or yeah. conveniently placed translator because we didn't think anyone was left at the bar. Uh, and I yeah, th- but 
that's but, that's not such a stretch. You're in New Orleans, and much of the population there speaks French. Oh, I'm not saying the guy that. happened to be the, the professor at Tulane. Right. That was a little bit of a stretch. Oh, I'm just saying him still being in the bar was the plot device because presumably they had scared everybody out, but all of a sudden this guy's just poof, you know, hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> so who know, whatever. Yeah. I, I swear, I thought when I first had a glimpse at him, I thought it was fucking Mark Hamill. The guy kind of looks like Mark Hamill, yeah. but heavier. Well, that's so too. And that would have been obviously like the best thing ever, but it wasn't. But he was a fine actor nonetheless. Uh, just not Mark Hamill, so I'm sad for him. But so anyway, translator guy explains that all this time Dennis has basically be, been saying that Cassidy is a horrible father. He's dying, <laughs> and he wants Cassidy to turn him into a vampire, which Cassidy. Which Cassidy refuses. Uh, we've seen this scene play out in many a vampire drama. Uh, like, I can't curse you with what I have, even though it would cure your cancer and make you not die. But his last words in the scene are translated to be, then he will die hating you. And Cassidy just says something to the effect of, yep, you, and another one, or get in line, or, you know, essentially. Back in Vietnam, Harris Star is on the phone with, uh, and I'll, I'll say this again later, but w what the fuck, Preacher? What What's all this, like, tear-jerking drama in my black comedy? I love what, like, Joseph Gilligan and, <laughs> and the guy playing Dennis is doing with all this, but, man, it's, like, it's sad shit, actually, and it gets worse <laughs> in the coming episodes, but... <laughs> It, it's good stuff, but it's like, whoa, I was laughing two minutes ago, and now you've, you're crushing my soul. Uh, not sure how I feel about that. Let's go back to some kind of weird death scene. It's easier to take. <laughs> Give it another two minutes. Yeah, it just was damaging. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we go back to Vietnam, and here Star is on the phone with someone. He's serious, he says, and people are praying to the pig, which is apparently a bad thing. And he initially asked the Grail for an additional, like, 30 operatives to deal with the situation. But after taking a drink of some very dirty water, he changes his mind and tells him that he has things under control. Did you notice that the little boy, his T-shirt? Yes, I did. No. Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta, it said Atlanta Falcons won the Super Bowl against the uh, Patriots. <laughs> really? No shit. <laughs> yeah. But that's what happens with those with those leftover shirts, because they print shirts for both winter teams as winners. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. And they got to get rid of them somewhere, so yeah. they send them off Just, to some third world nation. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm, our movie production company buys a shit ton of them for props. Yeah. <laughs> a scared shoeshine boy, who we were just referencing, launches us into a flashback of the days when Star was young and foolish once. Um, 2004, to be exact. And we're presumably at Harris Star's interview for the Grail. And his name in this is uh, Klaus Helmut Star, which I don't think we ever got in the comics. I think his full name. I can't remember. It might be in the one shot about him, but mm -hmm. and we get his resume, which is impressive. Uh, in the comics, he was—he's was actually a, like a soldier for the Nazis, wasn't he? I mean, cause it uh, went back that far. Um, did he go back that far? I can't. I thought he was German special forces, but I could be wrong. Maybe, uh, or maybe, yeah, maybe it was the uh, the current special forces, and it just looked like a Nazi name to me. Um, so I just have a quick question. Do they ever say what happened with his eye since it's all scarred up like that? And That's yeah. a, in in the comics you find out how 
You do? Okay. Yeah, that's an, well, that's hell, I don't read the comics. Well, it, you'll just have to wait. <laughs> yeah, well, our, the Santa Killers, Assface, Star, and uh, two other characters all got one-shots. Um, I won't spoil who the two other characters were. Okay. Um, so, yeah, if, and I'm sure they'll end up touching on <laughs> what turned Some it up. into the version of star that we see right now yeah oh my lord i could only imagine (laughs) yes it's worse it's not quite what you expect which (laughs) is why it's good yeah (laughs) uh we find out yeah he's in german special forces now basically or or used to be before this interview and we find out he thought there'd be ukrainian hookers provided as well (laughs) (laughs) they're the the best i hear yeah you know he's he's very particular tastes uh, is there a hooker like even in America that really won't do anything if you pay him enough? I mean, I thought that was the whole point. Um, maybe just Ukrainian hookers do everything better. I don't know. I've never patronized one. <laughs> yeah, neither have I. <laughs> Show of hands, anyone? <laughs> Confession time? We could all be raising our hands. No one would know. This is an audio medium. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, weekly heroics at yahoo.com if you'd care to send your predictions in on who was raising their hands or not Um, or just say (laughs) hi Uh, we get one of the the top lines of the show in my opinion or at least this episode when asked if star thinks that the grail sees the world the same way he does he says well like that you got to do it for us hero because you did it like a 10 inch cock i'd have to see it to believe it there we go (laughs) (laughs) and the interviewer asks star if he's a christian and a standard questioning apparently and star decides that he's a christian if it gets him the job he's actually completely unaware of what he's even applying for at this point if there's a steady paycheck i'll believe anything yeah that's exactly what my mind went to <laughs> yeah we're not trying. i, I see shit that he, would turn you white yeah i suspect he just heard that this is a place that he can gain lots of power and eventually use atomic weapons on the world or something weird like that so cassidy is drunk in the streets just get a quick little scene of him getting collected by the road crew which he what goes into that, a different what was that? Yeah, what, what was the drink that he was oh. that he was drinking? It was like an absinthe type type. I'm not I sure. Get to catch the name of it. I didn't take note of oh, it. Well. Yeah. I could probably find it in two seconds. But carry on. Carry yeah, if, on. If, if Ruth, you know, if Ruth Neg is anywhere near a scene, I pretty much don't, you know, make note of too much else. So I just people <laughs> they were drinking. I'm just like, I wish Tulip was back. I don't know. Uh, we come back to Tulip having a nightmare about when the uh, saint picked her up by the throat, complete with a slow-motion shot of Cassidy's fingers falling like french fries on TV. And she <laughs> w- awakens with a start, and she hears some strange noises and walks into the hallway where the lights are flickering, and we get the old dream-within-a-dream ploy as uh, the saint attacks her again, and this time she wakes up to uh, Jesse watching the God audition tape again. And she tells him what she dreamt about, uh, and he reminds, or she reminds Jesse that he was kind of late, you know, and if it wasn't for Cassidy, she would have died. And he's like, yeah, uh, sorry, did my best. I got here tonight. 
he doesn't share her concern about something feeling not quite right with the world. Uh, and we're clearly meant to believe that she was affected by being touched by the, the saint. And that's not going to go away until the saint actually truly goes right. away, is it? Yeah. Yeah, they're clearly using this to just keep a tie to him, you know, so he's kind of not forgotten, even though he's at the bottom of the lake right now. Or It's a nice little way to just kind of keep him in the narrative without having to have to deal with him all the time so we can go into other things. It was Armagnac, Armagnac brandy mm. that uh, Cassie was drinking. Oh, it was brandy, okay. Mm. Well, speaking brandy of Cassie... Brandy in a bar like that. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. it was a shitty bottle of Armagnac, not a, not a, not a good one. In uh, the morgue, speaking of Cassidy, he's knocking to get out of the corpse cabinet, <laughs> which apparently he's got himself placed in. Uh, again... <laughs> Not again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not again. Oh, shit. <laughs> Back at the grail, uh, in a you're all the best of the best, but only one of you will get the job type of scene, kind of reminded me to Men in Black at first. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we get a little training testing montage, uh, and we get the uh, basically the paratrooper training song from, well, I heard it in Band of Brothers, they played it, but... Just a rookie trooper, and he surely shook with pride. He checked off his equipment and made sure his pack was tied. He had to sit and listen to those awful engines roar. You ain't gonna jump no more. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to die. Glory, glory, what a hell of a way to die. Possibly the best scene of uh, the whole training thing is uh, Star's hand-to-hand combat trial, <laughs> where he lets his opponent gets him in a chokehold and then starts a chokehold of himself, which he calls self-consummating. I'm self-consummating. What does it look like? To distract him, and it works like a charm, and, and Star issues a severe beating on the man. No, not that kind of beating. Uh, and he's applauded by the interview guy you know, for his ingenuity in that one. Oh, you're a bad man. Yeah, yeah bad exactly. Man. That's exactly where my man went to, Pat. like theatricality can be a powerful weapon. <laughs> <laughs> theatricality and distraction or deception, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get, get much more distracting than guy whipping it out and, and taking care of himself while you're choking him to death. Which mm. somehow I think that uh, Star actually probably does a lot himself anyway. Well, he's pro- probably a gasper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, just just wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the next trial is pain tolerance, clearly, as the candidates are all hooked up with electric shocks to their balls, which doesn't bother Star at all. In fact, he's probably enjoying it. <laughs> Quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he definitely looked like he was enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> And it comes down to the last trial, which is a shooting accuracy test between Star and the last other candidate. I knew exactly where yeah. this was oh, going. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm proud to say I saw this coming, too. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's just how else can you write it, really? His opponent is a master marksman, of course. So, also, of course, Hair Star uses his clip to simply kill his competition. 
Again, points, uh, 10 points to Gryffindor for uh, ingenuity. Ingenuity. (laughs) (laughs) Star learns he just got hired by the Grail, something he didn't even know or care about, apparently. So Star learns he just got hired by the Grail, and we learn that Christ, or at least his descendants, have been kept in a secure location guarded by machine guns in the service of the end of the world to unveil, basically, when the end of the world gets here. Uh, The Messiah will reveal himself... God help us all. Stark gets his uniform and signature style, you know, of his white shirt, his white suit. So he asks the interviewer what his specific role would be as they're standing on a balcony, and he will be in Samson unit, who is charge of uh, disposing false prophets like Belushi. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Just love the little throw-ins. We also find that they were behind some of the historic assassinations of our world, like Lincoln. Also, not unexpectedly, uh, Star decides he wants to be the head of Samson Unit, not just an employee, and he pushes his new boss off the balcony to his death. Kind of saw that one coming, too. Jesse goes to talk to the street preacher, who has some witty responses to Jesse's stupid questions. Uh, Cassidy is exiting the morgue, and he looks in on a couple who are uh, mourning a dead loved one. And again, damn it, preacher, there isn't supposed to be feels in my freaking black comedy like this, but good on you for doing it. Tulip is bored and shows back up at the shooting bar and the men express their sympathies for her dead boyfriend, but she comes clean and tells them that her and her friends basically just rob them blind and insults them and offers them a chance to win their money back, and she straps on the vest and she also has these uh, little flash vision of the saint being the one doing the shooting uh, so she gets up and demands round two so this is some kind of cathartic release that, that Tulip's going through. So Jesse and the end is nigh guy are uh, sharing some beers. Jesse asks him how he knows the world is ending. The man gives him a generic rant about you know entropy in the universe and stuff. And but we find out there's been an uptick in weird stuff since, <laughs> since Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise exploded. So good to re-reference <laughs> that one. Yeah. Uh, if only that happened in real life. Yeah. Be amazing. And he also references Trump and the Cubs winning as uh, clear signs of the end. Dated <laughs> 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 themselves there a touch, but whatever. Jesse, the Cubs, definitely. I think we all saw that one. It's like, I, it can't be long now. Jesse accuses him of just scaring people for money, and the man states that they're already scared. They're scared of themselves, because what's more frightening than, you know, what we've done? Hint, hint, Jesse. And he asked him about the uh, fractional soul selling thing, asking for a friend, you know, he might add. And uh, he, Jesse says he thinks it was a sacrifice worth making. The man tells him that you should have given a kidney instead and it would have been more helpful. But if you're looking for signs of the apocalypse, he says, you should probably look no further than men trying to sell their souls. We cut back to Harris Star in the present where he has clearly poisoned the entire Vietnamese town and the magical floating pig. And uh, here's where the strains of our Pink Floyd will probably start. He calls it in and is deployed to New Orleans next to go after a preacher named Jesse Custer. And the final scene is an interview with the uh, robotic-sounding voice, or maybe Stephen Hawking. There we go for Stephen Hawking. Yeah, when he was talking, when he was getting his shoe shined, he said, get the invalid scientist ready. Oh, that's right, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good catch, Pat. (laughs) Yep. I guess it was Hawking then, definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he's giving various scientific explanations for the floating pig rumors, you know, which includes gas making it a meat balloon. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> 
wants to play on the whole swamp gas UFO thing. Uh, mm -hmm. And we roll credits. So, uh, yeah. So Hair Star is is uh, front and center, and I almost I almost wish we would have gotten just like a whole episode of his stuff, but I'm sure they'll sprinkle some some gems throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> He was a hoot. I mean, that is as, as dark of black comedy as you can get. And they, they definitely set the bar kind of high for him right from the get-go with the uh, self-consummation scene. So, <laughs> like, they're putting it out there and be like, oh, yes, we're going to give you a hair star. Don't worry. You know, we got yeah. your back, comic readers. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they flipped the switch. Now it's going full bore crazy and <laughs> with everything with the grail. <laughs> I liked uh, hair star's preferred method of um, <clears throat> seduction. Oh yeah! Give me the microfiche, or I'll kill you. you yeah, how did I miss that? I miss, I miss that. And I'll show your family. I did have that written down. Yeah, yeah, the seduction trial. Uh, yeah. Which again, it totally expected. You knew as soon as he was going to sit down. Uh, that's pretty much what he was going to do. It doesn't look like the Matahari type, really. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, you, you non-comic readers, yeah, what was, what was your opinion of Mr. Star first time really seeing him, Beth? Oh, my God, he was so fucking annoying. <laughs> I just wanted him to get some kind of emotion, but the whole time, he just, until he got his balls electrocuted, he just <laughs> yeah. had no emotion. Yeah, yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> Strange things to move him, yeah. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Well, it should be kind of a tell when, when the guy, the director of the Grail was explaining what they do, and he's like, you know, is it surprise you to know that, you know, Jesus is what we're all about? And he's like, well, I was hoping it was more something like, you know, world domination and atomic power or something like that. Yeah. What's, now, did what's they funny say is, is that... About his, go ahead. I'm sorry. What I was saying is, what's funny is, is that over the course of my life, um, for organizations like, and I'm not talking any clandestine organization, I'm talking like marching band in high school sure. and uh, a, star, a, a Star Trek club. Here comes um, the theme again. My, no, no. no. <laughs> but I just, there's always at least one guy that's in those groups that sees them as a true military organization and the the, the, the rank that they have is something they're just like hair star and, right yeah in in the way they sit there to deal with all that you're just like dear god this guy's gonna be a mass murderer one day pat did you uh you get to the hair star stuff when you were reading i mean shows up fairly well. i remember that i remember seeing the character but i don't remember anything about him i mean that steve dillon how he drew him is done so well in the makeup on this show. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> talk about... If he showed up who it was, but... I mean, yeah, uh, they kind of dispensed with a lot of the characters. Well, he is a spitting as, image, isn't he? Yeah, he's ripped right off the page, and I mean, so is our space, but I mean, yeah. Well, uh, space could have been a lot more extreme. Yeah, yeah, that's it can't be... You know, you got to let the poor actor. I mean, they already have to use subtitles exactly. for him. You got to have him be able to say something. <laughs> well, I'm sure they didn't do it just because. I mean, the, 
the R's face design is based on the the kid that actually did shoot himself after listening to Judas Priest. Right. So I did, I'm sure they didn't want to have to deal with any kind of litigation. So yeah. No, they didn't. The actor fan is young enough that he does, you know he wants girls to see him on TV and know he's good looking. Right. <laughs> yeah. And at least they they let him <laughs> use his real face a couple times in the show. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> you get into that Ron Perlman syndrome where every role you've ever had is under tons of latex. You know, yeah, but then you can go out in public. Yeah, that's yeah. a good ah, Ron Perlman, he, he's one of those that you can always see him through the makeup, too, though. And that's what makes him so great. <laughs> you ever see the Ben Stiller show where he played Ron Perlman as the judge of the uh, international mascot competition? No. Oh my god, I miss that like, one. I'm judging this because I've never played anything resembling a human being in my life. <laughs> yeah, so moving right along, uh, this story definitely is. I was a little disappointed with the whole pig subplot, considering the whole episode was called Pig, but I mean, I don't know. It just seemed like it was an, almost an afterthought. It was like, well, here's Star doing shit in the present, but it really wasn't much. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was effective showing that he would poison a whole town to, to get to his his objective. But uh, you know, until the end, you didn't really know what the hell his objective was, you know, or why this pig was floating. Or I, I'm assuming maybe they'll explain it down the road. But uh, you know, just uh, I guess he's in charge of killing all false prophets. Which is yeah, big that Samson unit. Yeah, what? That um, they they cast a great pig for this though. Got to got to give. Yeah, there was a monster of a, a sow right there. That was yeah. stuff. I hope somebody got to eat it when they were done. <laughs> yeah, I will be feasting on swine shortly. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I think it, it may have I, found its way to Queens this week. Uh, <laughs> we shall go to Queens. <laughs> Actually, I think it's in my next door neighbor's yard. Oh, there is a there is yeah. a pig oh my gosh, and a, so true. In the next in the next door neighbor's yard drives our dogs nuts. And yeah, it looks just like it too. It's black and white, pretty big. It's a, bacon. We ha- they have a boar and a piglet. <laughs> no <laughs> shit. I'm I, if there was free range, my dogs want to house. dig a hole to the under the fence. <laughs> Yeah, and put put some logs and, and start a fire and get a spit going and yeah. <laughs> no vegetarians were harmed at the making of this podcast, by the way. Uh, but you probably don't have any listeners to this. <clears throat> it's a metaphorical pig, man. <laughs> yeah, this uh, again. I, I was I know I was harsh on the first season for lack of narrative thrust. Um, this season seems to have corrected all of that. Um, Agreed. Just the the mere fact that they started this episode with the last jazz club in New Orleans. Yeah, it's like okay, that's economy of storytelling. We yeah. get it. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's not going to find God here. So yeah. And by putting the saint on the back burner for now, uh, it does allow them to open up and do a good chunk of uh, what the Grail is about now, with, while maintaining an ever-present danger for uh, the three of them. Mm-hmm. I almost, I said, I'm a little unnerved by, I love it, but it's almost like this thing with Cassidy and Dennis is just, it, it's it's kind of very tangential to the, 
the whole rest of the storyline, but I guess that's a good thing. It's just it's given these actors a chance to shine, though, so I can't begrudge it too much, but it almost does feel like a little distraction. Um, it, yeah, I mean, to a degree, but, I mean, look, they're, they're not... They're not road tripping quite as hard as they do in the books. So if they are going to be stationary, then there has to be more than there has to be something keeping them there, you know. So I mean, the fact that the the search for God in the jazz clubs is ostensibly complete, yeah, it was a, and- it, was a it was a bust. Uh, but you know, they're comfortable where they are now, and I'm sure that's not going to stay that way for long. No, you mean we're, you, we're seeing the Dennis plotline is going to be resolved one way or another fairly soon, too. So we're going to be hearing more of Come On Eileen pretty soon? No, I was hoping we'd get a few <laughs> more sprinkles of it. Like, the original uh, like season two trailer had, like, Hey Mickey in it. Uh, and a couple other really cool uh, 80s tunes, which we haven't really heard unfurled yet, but... Oh, I'm sure we will. There's, I mean, there's plenty of places for them to drop some fun stuff in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they just keep giving us animals, and I, I have an excuse to, to <laughs> play some Pink Floyd animals for you. Yeah, there, there, there is one. There is one thing that Jesse commands somebody to do. That since they've introduced the character, that he does it to already. If it's not in the show, I'm going to be very upset. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about, Scott? No, not off the top of my head. All right, I won't say it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have to wait for it. Because and it's well, not going it to happen. If it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen, then you won't be disappointed. So yeah, we'll, we'll tell you if it doesn't happen. I'm, I'm going to make a point to go back and, and start reading Preacher again because I'm a masochist that way. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I said at the beginning of the last season I wasn't going to do it, and I didn't for the first few episodes, and then I went back and read the whole damn thing. And now, because my brain's too crowded and I'm old, I, I've forgotten a good chunk of it again, so I have to go back and at least seek out the Harris Star stuff, because that's feeling very close to the books. At least it just looks so much like the books. I yeah. just want to know exactly where they go from the books or, or not, because... Well, then you should definitely track down the the one shot. Then, yeah, I do have it. I don't know. I don't think I've ever ever opened it up, but I think I do have it. My pirate friends um, gave me a nice little present. Whole compendium fell off a couple trucks. <laughs> Silly me! I bought them all years ago. Yeah, I used to own most of them, but I including really know. Inc- including the trade paperback of the covers with the, yeah. with the commentary for the paintings got lost in the the. Divorce and the move. I don't know. Why. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I would have left those. I left my Simpson DVDs. Uh, that was Simpson, but you know, let's see. You got to divvy stuff up. Uh, you know, you got to got to compromise when you're not using lawyers, uh, <laughs> or things get thrown. <laughs> Anywho, that's way too much about my personal life. Yeah. Uh, that, that's just kind of how tired I am tonight. So, ask well, me any, anything there, folks. Any, any other thoughts on this one from the non-comic readers? Okay, um, two words for Hairstar. I mean, as funny as he is, fucked up. Okay, that, that's it. That's all. Oh, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> they, and I, and you know what? I'm guessing that they will go <laughs> where the comic goes because they're pulling out. 
him being as screwed up as he is and uh and deliberately and early on mentioning the descendants of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm very, means very that, about that. Yeah, they're uh <laughs> I think they might go the whole whole route on that one. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if, and if Seth um, Rogen is going to pop up, there's a character right around the corner, comic book wise, that he would be perfect for. Oh, so, I hope he does. But as the, as the character that I'm thinking of, probably. I mean, yeah, a special a special type of uh, private this, eye. Yeah, this yeah. is not fair. I don't this know if we're going to get to see them. That's uh... oh, we better. <laughs> this is not fair. Sexual deviance investigators. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Something to that effect. I'm looking more forward to diving into uh, Tulip and what the hell this uh, Saint of Killers did to her. I, I mean, because she's that's fucked up. You can't sleep. You dream about him all the time. That is all kinds of fucked up. Well, Scott and I will be along for the ride on that one because that is not uh, oh, from the stuff. from the stories. Yeah. So, I I gotta, oh, nice. It's only going to get worse. Yeah, it's only going to get worse until they resolve the Santa killer story. And as yeah, long as he's yeah. at the bottom of the swamp, there's, you know, there's no resolution. So I'm betting he'll crawl back out about the end of the season and interrupt whatever else is going on at that point. Um, I don't know. I still haven't heard whiffs of this being renewed yet, which worries me a bit, but Oh no. Worries. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I never look into what these things are doing for ratings or anything, but, Oh, I was going to mention, I forgot about it last week. Did you think that it was deliberate that they had the Saint of Killers, the gunslinger, go to the door at the end of the hall that said 19 on it, just like from the uh, Dark Tower books? I I would think it would be uh, uh, probably pretty intentional. Yeah, the gunslinger outside the door that says 19. Hmm. Because, I mean, I got to think, I mean, it it was kind of, you know, the look in the comics, at least, was a lot more based on, like, Clint Eastwood, you know, Man of No Name. But yeah. I still think, I gotta think even Garth Ennis was probably a Stephen King Dark Tower fan by the time he he got around to uh, doing Preacher. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, from what I hear, except, well, you gave it a pretty good review. We, uh, we talked about the Dark Tower yeah. movie on American Gods podcast last night, and uh, Pat here said it was pretty serviceable little fantasy movie, but uh, not really. The, not as an adaptation of Yeah, not at all. really the Dark Tower in any form that us Dark Tower fans would enjoy all that much, or, you know, or we would left be left wanting, it seems. So I almost wish we had uh, the Santa Killers playing Roland and <laughs> oh, <laughs> that would have been something great. different. I, I always I love Death, but. He did not resemble Roland spiritually in any, on any level. Yeah, that sounds like it was it's more the, the writer's fan. fault than his, though. Yeah, it was. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. He was the fantasy of the of the kid. Yeah, yeah. But, I kind of knew it would be just. I don't know. All right, that's too much about the Dark Tower. I still, have to see it. <laughs> I, I still will see it. Um, but anyway, we. Got a damn good cowboy for this show, and he will be back yeah. eventually, I'm sure. So, uh, I don't know. I guess that's about it. Any other week, the Heroics news. Uh, as we said, we've, we've got Inhumans still coming out. Uh, freaking Defenders any day now. 
my, the new lady in my life is, is, I've already warned her that she's going to be subjected. She's coming up next weekend. I'm like, oh, shit, Defenders weekend. Guess what, honey? Uh, I want to start brushing up on your superheroes. <laughs> the show that determines if I'm going to keep watching Luke Cage when it comes back or not. Yeah. So I love, yeah. I like Luke Cage. But I think they're going to get smart with all the the next seasons and shows. I think so too. The I fact that it's the, the the Daredevil showrunners are in charge of of the Defenders says a lot. Yeah, yeah, and even Daredevil. Uh, you I know, I listen. Pre- I'm sorry. I, I listened to um, Batman on Batman with Kevin Smith and um, what's the guy's name, Ron Bernard, uh, and he's actually Ron's actually seen. Uh, three episodes of the Defenders so far, okay. and he loved seventy five percent of it. But anything dealing with Iron Fist, he was kind of left left flat. So I, mm. I still don't understand all the hate for it, but mm. wasn't what it could be. But it wasn't horrible. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what people are expecting of of Danny Rand. Uh, A kung fu show. Well, yeah, they're expecting nice. they're expecting Chris Claremont and John Byrne yeah. to to their their stuff to spring out on the screen. It ain't gonna happen. Not till they get someone in there that can make it happen, like they do on Daredevil. So that's that's the thing. And I, I don't know. I gotta think the second. Well, they got a new showrunner, so like I, I have faith in that continue. You know, being good next yeah. season. But they, they got to be painfully aware of what went wrong last time. So I, I can't. Well, think I'm sure they are. They're not going <laughs> to fix I, it. <laughs> I think that that a lot of what they have to do it, it goes right down to the main actor, and I don't know his name. The guy that's playing yeah. Danny Rand. I, I think Jones. he's fine in it. I like him a lot in it, actually. I think that he needs to work on his his physicality as far as yeah, being well, the Iron Fist. That's most of it, yeah. I, I think that that all came down apparently to just a shitty training schedule for him. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't begrudge him that at all. They they didn't give him enough time to to get in like you know. Um, but uh, honestly, they should just have a, a col- they should have a clean wing show. And let him be a supporting yeah. character. Well, the second season's going to have Misty and Colleen in, yeah. in Iron Fist. So, Daughters of the Dragon. It's a good start. Yep. <laughs> needs to get it. She needs to get her her arm taken off. So, yeah. Misty. Uh, yeah, used yeah. it so hard in Luke Cage. Yeah, I thought they were. Yeah, I thought they were going to do it at the end of that, but uh, maybe it'll happen in Defenders. That's a possibility. Well, it's probably going to be a lot of ninja action, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, swords be a-flying, so anything's possible. <laughs> yeah, I'm very, very excited for uh, for that, and I won't be able to even watch it that weekend. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've resigned myself to Have we alienated Beth completely? I haven't heard her voice th- for quite she, a while. I'm right the... here. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was just thinking okay. about how she can rig up a car battery to you, nuts, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to keep them in control. Man, I just got the shivers. <laughs> the good shivers or the bad shivers? To the left. Pretty much. I got the whole world's going to know you dog scratching my balls. I don't think any man uh, worth his salt, uh, salty balls. Uh, you know what really blew me away about that? They actually took that right from the book. What's that? In Casino Royale, when he's getting his his nuts whacked, that's like right out of the book. Mm. Yep. I'm like, that book came out in like the 50s. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and he was always after that. He never knew who did it to him. 
Old school Never spies knew how to torture people, man. Oh, man. Yeah. That, that's, that's like torture 101 is the old electricity of the balls, you, you know. And the bamboo shoots under the fingernails. There wasn't a lot of electricity with James Bond, though. It was a, it was a coil of rope. Uh, yeah, in the movie it was a coil of rope, and it was like a like a riding crop or something in the book. Something just a yeah. little yeah. flick, little flick. Oh, that's all it takes. Uh. <laughs> Guys, I've had 200 kidney stones, and that is still painful to think of. Yeah, right, no. <laughs> I don't know why we're focusing so much on testicular trauma tonight, because it's it's starting to trauma. Well, it's relatable for all of us, for most of us. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> or me. <laughs> we don't know that. Uh, I, I do. I do. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Testify in court of law. Yeah. <laughs> Hand in my heart. Ah, there we go. All right. Well, I got some self-consummating to do. Baiting. Go away, Baiting. So. He's a master of it. Woo! <laughs> Actually, I saw somebody, uh, not to get any kind of political, but I saw somebody refer to masturbation as fire and fury today for obvious reasons. So. you got to be going real fast and obviously without any sort of lubricant. In order I to wish I was happen. good enough to, to give myself fire and fury. That that sounds like fun. But, you know, All of my necrotizing <laughs> God, that's awful. <laughs> You gonna ask your raunchy cousin about this one, Pete? Or Pete, Pat? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you can get her to listen. Yeah, I probably can. <laughs> she's at uh, she's at TwitchCon this weekend, I think. That sounds like some place that tweakers go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Okay, so now I just have to ask, what the hell is TwitchCon? Yeah, I it's just, for, kind of uh, went over my head too. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's like it's live streaming video game commentary. Right, that's right. Not and at all what games. I expected. <laughs> no, and see, I, I'm, I, very soon we're going to have our son ask us to take him to TwitchCon because that's what he spends half look, his time watching. As long on, as he doesn't want to go to a furry convention, I think you're good. <laughs> Well, just make sure you don't uh, let him watch the episode of Preacher with the dog man in it, and Oof. hopefully. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm an idiot. I should be like a video game Twitch guy. They actually make money doing that shit, and that's all I do is free yeah. video games. <laughs> it's all, it's yeah, and I'm envious of young people. Uh, yeah. Can't compete uh, yeah. Well, we're going to hell for this one. Earlier this week, we brought home Injustice 2 for, for Christopher to play. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and I'd it has what you will about the story, the, the fighting, and it's awesome. I yeah, but, yeah we, we played it with him, so, yeah, yeah, I liked it. And he has been practically plugged into it all this last week, okay? It has to go back tomorrow. It's a Uh-oh. rental. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh no! Withdrawals and symptoms to. I'm a trained addictions counselor. If you need to kick him my way, <laughs> I've never done video games, but it's all the same concepts. Uh, I should do it on myself. <laughs> I thought that's what you, what you were going to do. That's why you ended the show. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, that was part of the original plan. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're just kind of a support group here, huh? Sure, sure. Uh, I'm, a, 
I'm a black comedy TV addict. I admit it freely. I'm a self-consummating addict. I admit that freely, but hopefully I won't have to do that as much these days. So where's where's the free coffee? <laughs> the I can quit everything anytime it's a I want. Support group. Where's the free coffee? <laughs> everything. Well, I, I've got plenty here, but there's really look, there's it. coffee, there's cigarettes, and there's slippers <laughs> all over in the corner. Feel free to take them. <laughs> we, we we need to do a roundtable on um, holy crap, uh, Fight Club. <laughs> this is Bob. But we're Bob not allowed to talk about Fight Club, so how are we going to do a podcast on it? <laughs> oh, man. You just ruined all the fun, don't you? I would love to talk about Fight Club because that's a movie adaptation that's better than the book. Yeah, yeah. Much yeah, like well, Hero, let's talk. Yeah, I could cosplay as Meatloaf from that movie, probably. I, well, so could I. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather cosplay as, you know, Helena Bonham Carter, but, you know, I'd really be filling out her outfits. <laughs> You'd want to be her? Why not? <laughs> I mean, she's got the best line in the whole movie. Haven't been fucked like that since grade school. It's true. But, did, uh, you, did you hear what the alternate line was? Yeah, I want to have your abortion. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, she I was, said the I, I think they she's, made the right call on that one. Then. She said oh, the first one. Lines. She said the first one about grade school, and the producers come back and they go, "Can you just say something else?" And so she said that I want to have your abortion, and they go, "Okay, go back to the first one." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no more ad libbing for you. Yeah, I love Fight Club. That's that is the movie of the nineties. I like it. Yeah, we'll be back uh, next week. Whenever next week gets here. So bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Adios. On the next episode of AMC's Preacher. What are you looking for? Serial numbers on a gun. So this is worth all the risk, huh? The best way to know your target is through concealed intimacy. It's in the handbook. Who doesn't belong in hell? Whoever you are, we'll find you. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Bite me. Bite me. <laughs> Ah, hi, welcome to Weekly Heroics, Two True Freaks Guide to Heroes on TV, and uh, we're back continuing to cover Preacher Season 2, Episode 8, and the episode title is Holes, and we've got a lot of holes in the cast tonight, see how I segued right into that, uh, <laughs> because we we it's only it's a party of two tonight, and it's not even... Uh, me and the hero, it's me and our special guest, Pat Dunmore, who's actually pretty much a regular on Preacher Cast at this point. But, Pat, how you doing? I'm pretty good. Everyone else had uh, various emergencies of uh, various natures and uh, just could not do it tonight. And we are, our thoughts are with all those people. And yes, I they are. Got a person I know in possible crisis. So it's just kind of like, ah. We have to do this anyway, so uh, apologies in advance for any lack in quality um, that we may experience, because I'm a little discombobulated, as they say, but Pat says he's had a fairly trauma and stress-free day, so we're expecting him to carry the show. No pressure. Here's where your perfect day falls apart, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And rightfully so in a recap of this show. Uh, ruminate on Hitler and uh, yeah, yeah, real happy episode of Preacher too. This is going to yeah. help my mood a lot. Uh, 
In fact, it was this whole episode kind of a kick in the nuts <laughs> for the most part, uh, emotion-wise. But that's hey, that's why we like it. It's, it can do many things. The show. Uh, but yes, let's jump right into it. We haven't seen uh, Eugene in a little bit, so uh, we are back to him, and he's he's literally like doing the. Um, Actually, I believe when I watched this and and the, I think the uh, it was actually the the theme to Cape Fear, um, that they were playing underneath this little montage of that they're going in and he's he's training basically like you know Robert. Taylor. I didn't notice. Yeah, I think it said it on the subtitles when I watched it the first time because I usually watch with subtitles. I, I believe it did say it's like theme from Cape Fear playing. Um, <laughs> so I was like. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Good, good little poll there, guys. And yeah, so Eugene's basically doing the, the prison thing of working out. You know, I'm going to be in here. You might as well get ripped. And he's looking really ripped, actually. It's I don't know if we've he, he, I don't know if it's CGI muscles or not, or the actor's been been doing some work. Uh, but he has uh, taken uh, Mannering, who is like the main prison matron, her advice to heart, and he's, he's working out, has a tattoo on his back that says Tracy, of course, and everyone seems duly intimidated by him, you know, after he, he did the classic beat up the uh, toughest guy in the prison, you know, he kicked uh, Hitler with everyone else. Uh, but when Mannering comes to the common room, uh, we have an announcement that... Uh, she well first she actually she takes someone down to the hall for committing a nice gesture it was just somebody dropped something and he picked it up for her and you know basically like no no I wasn't getting it for her you know I wasn't trying to be nice <laughs> and yeah down to the hall he goes uh, and that kind of sends uh, the rest of the inmates into a frenzy until uh, this t- interesting scene of Tyler our, our resident douchey guy in the uh, in hell community room here. Um, grabs the Neanderthal guy and basically holds his uh, face up to a TV show of a fireplace, which presumably actually burns you, because hell, I don't know. So it's just a really weird setting, this hell community room. It's just kind of indescribable. Just go watch it, everyone. Um, and yeah, he's screaming away and they, they duct tape him, um, to the, to the TV. And yes, kids, even in hell, duct tape is the most useful item you could own. <laughs> so good to know that because hell in my life, uh, why <laughs> know the difference between the image of something and the reality of something. Yeah. But yeah. Man. That just wouldn't exist for his brain. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see, I've seen in reviews that say it's like, and the TV really feels like, you know, it's burning, but that, that I took it exactly like you did that. It was just actually the thing that flashed in my mind and I'm a little older than you. So this might not click with you, but was the unfrozen caveman lawyer from the old set. <laughs> I remember <Five> that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Phil Hartman's voice filled his mouth when I saw that scene for some reason. He was a caveman, and now he is a lawyer. Yes, you remember even more of it than I do. Awesome. I'm just a caveman, and I'm frightened by your weird picture boxes. Uh, and... Uh, as Eugene, then uh, we just get a little scene of Eugene asserting his dominance because Hitler kind of, you know, nods at him, and Eugene does the classic. It's like you looking at me, and and shoves him down, you know, to keep the uh, whole uh, motto of hell going. 
uh, act accordingly. And then we roll into the opening. And then they start kicking us in the heart. And uh, just, what the hell, Preacher? You're supposed to be a dark comedy, but not a lot of laughs in this one. Because we get shown kind of the origin of Cassidy and Dennis. By flashing back to 1946 and Cassidy in the maternity room. And he's... Uh, goes to a baby that presumably is Dennis and starts singing a little Gaelic lullaby to him about a scarlet uh, clothed whore or something <laughs> fun in Irish like that. And <laughs> send all hate mail to Weekly Heroics at Yahoo.com, my Irish friends. Um, and uh, he tells him he's going to be the best die he's ever seen. And we cut to the present day and Cass uh, wakes up and is checking on Dennis, whose breathing is uh, getting noticeably worse and coughing, and Cassidy continues to basically flat-out deny Dennis's request for eternal life, and uh, just both actors killing every scene they're in, and it, it hurts to watch. <laughs> well, Tulip still can't sleep. She's uh, also just killing her performance in this, as Ruth Nega, as usual, just, just boiling below the surface of her of just fucking... Now exhaustion and total fear and total ick I've been handled by someone from hell. You know, sells all of it. Um, she, she asks uh, Cassidy whether he wants to go out with her. It's like 2 a.m., you know, possibly back to the Hurt Locker. And uh, she says Jesse isn't interested because he's too caught up in his searching for God thing. But Cassidy says he uh, should stay with Dennis, and she goes and leaves on her own. Dennis wakes up Cassidy saying, uh, bite me, in his little iPhone translator he's got, and is in very bad health, and another just soul-crushing scene, uh, essentially, of both actors killing it. Back at the Grail headquarters, or little hideaway they've got here anyway, uh, Hoover and Featherstone are spying on Jesse via a hidden camera, and we get some banter and a booberry sighting, uh, which is always neat. <laughs> That's why he looks like That's that. That's why Hoover and I look like uh, we do, uh, <laughs> because of child cereal that we can't let go. <laughs> Jesse asks that there's crack in that stuff, I'm telling you. Jesse asks Cassidy about going to the video store so they can blow up the image uh, on God's audition tape, trying to find the serial numbers on the gun, of course. And Cassidy seems uninterested as he's watching his son in dying in agony, you know, and... Uh, Cassidy asks Jesse uh, if he can use Genesis to heal Dennis, which Jesse declines. He doesn't think it works like that. She probably doesn't. And as he watches, uh, Tulip comes back from the uh, Hurt Locker. She can, he can tell how distant she's become, even though she asked him to. She asked to come with him to the the Geek Squad, the Dork Dork Docks. It's basically you know, a, a Best Buy analog. <coughs> Too bad that Brian's not here tonight because he's, he's the tech guy who tell us if the, the, the dork docs were doing things right. Um, where are we here? I, I got the real sense that we're, they're trying to make us dislike Jesse quite a bit in like this. Yes. Scene. Uh, is really being a jerk, basically. He's not noticing Cassidy's plight at all. You know, he's barely noticing tulips. And I think, and he did it for. Uh, he tried to do that for Tracy mm -hmm. to fix her. Like he had no problem with it. Right. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of that one. Yeah, good, good catch, Pat. Yeah, 
Uh, and maybe that's why he was reluctant because it didn't exactly fix her the way he thought it was going to. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I didn't even think of that actually. Yeah. He probably could have maybe done something cause he was clearly healed something in her body. And, and when he made uh bus driver, a pedophile dude, um, forget, you know, he, he could feel that something had changed in his brain. So. He could have at least gone to Dennis and be like, "Don't be in, ignore your pain or something like that." Yeah, uh, you know, that's was, that one percent of his soul that takes the compassion away from him or something. Yeah, I think that's what we're kind of being led to believe is that it, he's just he's not the he's the you know not the man he used to be or that it's problematic that he's got a piece of his soul out there, which makes sense to me. <laughs> So, yeah, Jesse's just kind of, like, very aloof and just not really seeing what's going on around him. He's just got this single-minded mission going on. Uh, But he and Tulip do go to the dork docks uh, to get the video work done together. But she's not even there. She goes off shopping for a fridge because she's on her own little mission to try to expel her demons. So Mannering, back in hell, uh, gives everyone an update when she says they can go back to their cells shortly, much to their dismay. Um, you know, they don't, it's like, Hey, you're, you know, going back to something worse than the community room. Congratulations. Uh, and she basically explains what we've all kind of been figuring out that the problems are because somebody is not supposed to be there, Eugene. And uh, he actually begins to raise his hand, um, before thinking better of it. Um, a bunch of people basically say the, I am Spartacus thing. And, you know, it's like, no, it was me. I'm not supposed to be here, you know, because she's like, I want to just, you know, get this sorted out so we can send you home. And she gets pissed, you know, realizing that none of them are, are the right person and she storms off. The community debates among themselves who shouldn't be in hell, which is funny. You know, like the little librarian woman basically like, oh, there's a good mother and, you know, I shouldn't be here. It's all a mistake. And then someone's like, yeah, but you burned your two kids. <laughs> to death yeah. in a house fire. And then Tyler's like, well, it couldn't be me, man. And someone's like, you raped like three women. And he's like, well, it was date rape. It doesn't count. And she's like, oh. <laughs> and somebody was saying in, uh, in the follow-up, I was watching the subtitle, somebody was saying that what they did, they did entirely for the public good. We didn't see who it was. That oh, oh I missed that one, too. Then Hitler tries to call Eugene on it, uh, basically, and he tries to say, <laughs> Eugene tries to say, I'm the evil, per- evilest person in this room. And Hitler's like, bitch, please. Uh, <laughs> you know, and when he begins to explain what happened to Tracy, uh, that confirms his suspicions. Uh, but Eugene it confirms uh, Hitler's suspicions about Eugene. But Eugene says he doesn't deserve to get out. And as a woman trips over uh, something, Eugene helps her up, and, and Hitler says, "Boy, that was nice of you." And of course, he gets ca- caught on camera, and Mannering comes to take care of it. She was a nun all of a sudden. The woman this fell. She was wearing a nun's habit. Okay, yeah, I didn't even notice that either. Man. Where and where did yeah, where did she come from all of a sudden? <laughs> we hadn't seen her at any point until nun ex machina, you know. Yeah, <laughs> never works. There's got at least one uh, nun in hell, I would suspect. <laughs> Probably a few. <laughs> Those oh, nuns sure. that whole held, you know, <laughs> hit all the uh, the unwanted pregnancies of other nuns. They might be in hell. Just saying. All religious complaints to weeklyheroics at yahoo.com. 
but I am Catholic, so back the fuck off. Um, <laughs> so Tulipa places her new fridge in front of the old bullet hole, and we get another scene of Diane Dennis and Cassidy uh, chats with Tulip about you know, basically the big question. Um, if she ever can, you know, would want to be a vampire, or she'd see any, you know, appeal in becoming a vampire, you know, and then he, he goes down basically the checklist of the good and bad, uh, mostly bad, and of course the one being the biggest is, you know, everyone around you, you have to watch die as you live forever. So he's clearly weighing that decision, and again, emotions just keep getting the shit kicked out of me. Back at the Dork Docks, they successfully blow up the image, and they gleefully tell Jesse that you can't identify the serial number, as they thought that it was, you know, basically him wanting to alter it, because he was the one holding the gun. He's like, no, no, you idiots. And uh, he genuinely wants to find out, and they have to start all over again. Hopefully, fight her visions of the saint. Tulip then goes on a little home fixing quest and goes through the arduous process of covering up all the bullet holes with spackle and paint in the other apartments, including a few that are very, very bloody still. <coughs> Mannering brings Eugene to the hole, an actual manhole, where he has to relive his Tracy experience all over again at the bottom. Uh, but it's kind of like Tracy Hell. Point two or 2.0 um, because this time when he goes to kiss her, she doesn't turn him away. She's like, oh, you liked me too? And then we get to go through the hell of having to listen to them sing Closing Time together. Very well, I might add, but it's fucking Closing Time. And I used to be like a bar DJ. You cannot even comprehend how many times I've had to play that song. Closing Time Open all the doors and let you out into the world Closing time Turn all of the lights on over every boy and every girl Closing time One last call for alcohol So finish your whiskey or beer Closing time You don't have to go home But you can't stay here But then Tracy's boyfriend, Jesse Custer This creeped me right the fuck out Came out of the bathroom And they start making out in front of Eugene It just drives him nuts And just keeps yelling at them to stop And finally turns the shotgun on himself and pulls the trigger and presumably has to go through it a million more times before he's dragged out of the hole. But Well, and she was giving him a hand job while oh, Preacher was talking. That was the whole... Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. The, the kiss was <laughs> it's enough. Like, yeah. The kiss was I'm, enough for my brain to shut off, apparently. So. <laughs> he, was, he unbuckled his belt and he was like... You know, oh, that's right. He's I telling you those time. I'm coming. I'm coming right now. Oh, right. Like, <laughs> See, I must have blocked it out the second time I saw yep. it. Uh, just totally no, I didn't. I didn't it. catch it all the second, second time I saw it. Yeah. I was expecting it to go. You know, what my version of hell would be, where he kisses her and she turns into some kind of a monster. Right, and just might not have the special effects budget for that, so we went with giving your preacher a hand job. Arguably. On the second, on the second viewing, you could see they frame 
what what the big surprise was going to be behind that door. Right. They're standing right on either side of the door, and something's going to come out of it. But yeah, it took me a second time to watch it to catch that. Mm-hmm. Save, save us a room for the Holy Spirit, Tracy. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tracy in our space. <laughs> dear, dear, dear. Um, yeah, I, again, hats off. Just when I think this, this show might pull back on stuff like that, they go all in. And they just keep going all in. The rest, uh, uh, it gets weird. Um, <laughs> can't wait to hear the Hughes uh, views on, on a couple episodes that we haven't covered yet coming up crazy crazy talk about things we've put out of our heads Uh, (laughs) from trauma alright so yep Eugene uh, blows his head off for real in the dream or in hell and then we get more Dennis and Cassidy misery and I'm very very depressed at this point Later that night in the bunk, Hitler uh, tells uh, Eugene that he wants to help him escape from hell. And um, as you said, and uh, we were messaging on Facebook earlier, you know, just, uh, yep, Eugene and, and Adolf talking in a bunk bed. Well, and, this is the scene. I mean, you had the thing with, the, with all of a sudden this nun shows up for Hitler to trip. Yeah. And now he's whispering to him from under the bed. And this is the, this is the literal... Yeah, Hitler is the devil. Mm-hmm. Or no, I think he's trying no better, to yeah. escape from hell himself, possibly. But yeah, he's, he, he probably he's is. playing the "I'm going to be nice to you for a little bit mm-hmm. to make you feel." And, and you know, it, it's Hitler. He is the devil. Oh yeah, no, sim- yeah. no, no sympathy for this guy. This is this is literally the devil underneath. I mean, shot like you know, he's underneath the bed, reaching up and hey, it's me. And no monster under the perfect, bed. Perfect for it. Yep. He just he yep. can look so slimy and nice at the same time. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm still never going to be able to really watch him in anything from now on and not see Hitler. But that's all right. Uh, again, I'm just still kind of in awe that I'm, I'm watching this on television and, and there aren't like people picketing at AMC yet. I, <laughs> just don't get it. <laughs> I think people. Are, I think they're just they're 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 ignoring it. I think a certain amount of like the the fundamentalist Christians Christians and stuff that would protest something like this probably wrote AMC off seven years ago when The Walking Dead started. Yep. And they probably got it on their system then and <laughs> decided, oh shit, we're not going to make a dent in this, and just be like, nope, we just that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> Because I said, if there's one thing this comic series and this show does, it's try to be as blasphemous as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah. And that's Garth Ennis stuff and basically to a T. <laughs> also, probably another disgruntled Catholic, you might add. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Tulip, uh, after her little quest, finally gets to the final room. That's where the grail of setup shop, of course, and... Uh, Lara Featherstone begins to panic uh, when she starts knocking, but um, Lara opens the door suddenly with a wig in full disguise, and, and they're able to hide their little underground operation. Hoover goes running, and she introduces herself as Jenny to Tulip. Jesse is praying while waiting for the video, and uh, he says basically, uh, no, you're not really there, God. Uh, 
And then when the dork docs call him over again, they confess to having uh, nothing after trying everything and just nothing they can do. And they take out the DVD, which upon further inspection is property of Grail Industries. Kind of what was uh, what have we signed out that the Grail Company's uh, public motto is? Oh. A oh. better today for you, a better tomorrow for us. Okay, yeah. That just not stick with me this time. Both yeah, that was the uh, the ad at the the ad that they're playing behind Jesse, where it's all the people enjoying you know all these luxuries, and you see a mushroom cloud go up. Right. Yeah. Okay. Man, and I then, just I was so out of it when recapping this the second time. I apologize, folks. Both times I watched this, I was having a tumultuous day. It seems, and so I just just. I'm going to have to watch it a third and fourth time just to really even absorb it. Where are we? And then, uh, final scene, basically, we... Well, no, 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 no. Yeah, we get a little more stuff with Tulip and Jenny getting to know each other, and, and Featherstone is giving an Oscar-worthy performance of the whole escaped abused wife or girlfriend thing. That's why she has a gun that Tulip finds, and uh, they're, you know, on the way to being fast friends and even Tulip even invites her to uh, the Hurt Locker, doesn't she, I think? Yep. <laughs> and then we get back to Cassidy and uh, he, he calls up another Irishman that he's he's presumably talked to in season one um, when he first got stranded in Anvil uh, whose name is Seamus and uh, he asks for help confiding in him about Dennis who and Seamus refuses to help or you know, basically he could just kind of really rings him, you know, rips him a new one and says, yeah, you probably got hundreds of son, sons out there. And he keeps uh, referring to Cassidy as progenist, I think, is how he pronounces it. Yeah, I didn't I didn't uh, quite catch how he was saying it. So I'm, I'm assuming that's maybe Cass's real name or some kind of vampire designation. I don't know. I did not research yeah. it. But he, he goes, the, the guy on the phone basically advises, of course, against turning Dennis. Um, and we don't know what Cass is going to do yet. But he goes back to the room and sings Dennis the same lullaby that he sang to him in the hospital when he was a baby. And we fade to black and we'll find out more next week. So, kind of a, a place setting episode, you know, just not yeah, much but movement, but a lot of character stuff. Better than the last one they did. Better than the one about uh, Tulip and Jesse in uh, in Dallas. Yeah. Um, yeah, at least it moved forward plot a little bit instead of going back and visiting stuff that already happened. <laughs> so it did, did move and, things up a little, but uh, they're just hammering home. I think they just realized they've got a, such a gem in uh, Joseph Gilgan that they're just like throwing some really good dramatic stuff at him and uh, he's, he's nailing it every time I really just like it's so affected by this this maybe that's why I forgot everything else I was just like so invested in the Cassidy Dennis thing that it just like kind of wrecked me <laughs> watching it and it's like should I really be this emotionally invested in a, a vampire and his, his son uh, on Ruth Nega in just you know, in just a t-shirt and a pair of slacks, she's like one of the most iconically beautiful women. Yeah, man, I, I think that every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, just like a you know, yeah. <laughs> it's a shame. Uh, it's a shame Darwin Cook never got to draw her. 
Who's Darwin Cook? I should. He's the guy. You know. Um, do you know New Frontier at all? Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 I always call him I mean, Darren Cook. For that's the only way I recognize his name. For some reason, God, if, I, <laughs> if he was still alive, I would I would immediately go to him and ask for a sketch of uh, Ruth Nega. That's a good call. Yeah. Just. Uh, I, I'm happy with my wall of photographs that I printed up from the internet. Oh, shit. I probably shouldn't have said that <laughs> out loud. Um, but, yeah, she is, like, just one of those classic, just, I mean, not you can't even call it a classic. She's just a unique beauty. She's just, like, yeah, her eyes are some of the most stunning eyes I think I've ever seen on a woman in 48 years of life. So, it's yeah. Literally, she's one of those people you could just watch read the phone book. <laughs> Well, she was up for uh, Best Actress last year, too, for the Academy Award. Yeah, I, I thought she had won it, actually, but I guess... No, it was... Uh, I want to say Viola Davis won. Possibly, but uh, you can tell, man. She like does She does not have a B game for this show. I mean, she brings uh-uh. it every time she's there for this silly little TV show, and I hope if it does go three seasons of you know, being a... Academy Award nominated actress. She doesn't feel like she is too good for a little TV show. Yeah, that's what I was worried about, too. (laughs) Because all the other actors are great, but yeah, she's kind of almost like a class above in a lot of ways. (laughs) Just just from her look. I mean, she's just, you think nothing but movie star when you look at a person like that. It's just, not even a movie star, just like, wow. You know, just presence, just charisma. That, That scene of her last season running holding her uh, high heeled shoes <laughs> I mean that's going to go down you know when she when she does have her her sizzle reel when she does win her award I mean they're going to have to show that even though that's not in a movie yeah I would hope so if there's anything she's done in this you know, it's uh the, the whole guy it's almost yeah it's almost elevated the, the source material in a way uh, to have such three-dimensional actors doing these these characters that came off a page you know Ennis always wrote them well and they're three-dimensional characters in the comic but I mean shit man I, I I don't think I was ready for how good the performances would be in this show I figured that no you know <laughs> I don't know what I expected but I didn't think they would be this powerful you know and, and written this well so damn Hats off. And, and this was kind of almost a filler episode. I mean, there's some... It starts speeding up quickly next episode. Um, but it was a good one. It just showed a lot of everyone's psychology, where everyone's at in their head, mostly. I think that was the kind of the purpose of this one. So, Yeah, good stuff, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, again, apologies. We're way the hell behind the, uh, the actual season, and I've already seen up to what's current so we won't talk about more stuff but keep joining us if you can i don't know you got anything else pat nope i've got dinner waiting for me so i'm gonna that sounds good well this is gonna be a record short one but that's all right we we will hopefully have the entire crew back with you next week um and at the very least there's a episode coming back that mr hair metal hero has been informed already that he is not allowed to miss barring his own (laughs) demise 
uh, because it's something in the comics that's coming up that I wasn't sure they'd go for, but they went for. Yeah, I would like I remembered immediately. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I know what this is." And it was the most gloriously disturbing thing I've ever seen, uh, as it was when I first read it. <laughs> so, this is the two episodes from now. That's when the picketing is really going to start. That's when they're going to come back. And start calling AMC the Demon Channel again. Uh, they're going to dust watch, off their, uh, their placards. And <laughs> have you watched Carnival though? I love Carnival. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that, there's a lot. There's a lot of things in Preacher that remind me of the stuff in Carnival. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I think it was cut from a, the same cloth. Beep beep. That's not my alarm. Um. Yeah, I really adored that show, too, actually. Um, but, yeah, it's right along the same lines of... Uh, uh, I bet they could find a place to put Clancy Brown in their show somewhere. I wouldn't be opposed yes. to that at all. <laughs> just to <just laughs> say, and producers, if you're listening, uh, Clancy Brown improves anything he's in by at least 25%, so why not? Uh, and the guy that plays Samson should show up, too. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. Because uh, he can't, he can't be in Twin Peaks because his character doesn't look like that anymore. Right. I had to stay, stay true to the uh, prediction that the next time he showed up, he wouldn't look like that. So. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, but yeah, yep. we would we'll gladly have him over here. This show's weird enough for for Samson and you know type character. Uh, I would go out. Of, I think I don't think I'm going out of limb to say Carnival was probably influenced by by this book a little bit. I, I don't remember who the yeah. producer was exactly, but um, the showrunner was. But uh, yeah, had to be a- anything, awesome. like that, anything like that that plays irreverent with religious material. I'm usually like, I love it, and it, of course, it makes me question what kind of person I am. But <laughs> it's been <laughs> Probably am. <laughs> What's it? Um, Peter Straub's book, Shadowland. Oh, I love that book. You read yeah. that? <laughs> yep. I don't know too many other people that even know that book. That's awesome. Well, that. <laughs> that would it, to, to me, it's like I, I didn't read it until after Carnival, and I'm like, well, that's pretty much how the show would have ended. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> good possibility. Um, I, I really wish they'd been able to. I think... Maybe I just imagined this or dreamed it, but I think they actually did something with further Carnival stuff. No, never mind. I, I'm HBO sure was... won't release the HBO will not release the rights to Daniel Knopf. No. He said what he said how he would continue it. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe that's what I read. Is yeah. like what he said the, the resolution would have been. They um, would be in um, Europe during the war, looking for. Um, was it religious relics? Really nice. Okay. Yeah, they become a they become a circuit like a traveling gypsy circus in Europe while the war is going, trying to find um, religious relics for Ben. Hmm. Uh, see, you could have kept uh, what's his name, John Connor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> could have kept him dutifully employed and out of trouble too. If they kept that going. Yeah. What the fuck, HBO? He was, all, he was also that yellow bastard. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep. Uh, Sin City. 
Uh, yeah, I, I don't understand why big networks you know, hold on to shit that tightly. Um, but it's like they can still sell the DVDs and make sure no one gets the money but them for that, but why not let it go, you know? Or even just yeah. be like, all right, you want to make something else? Go ahead, but we get a quarter on every dollar. <laughs> mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's just sitting there not making you money. Yeah, I just don't get it. <sighs> but you go eat. We don't want to get into, like, a Hollywood producer discussion. Or we're doomed to be here all night. Bruce. Well, uh, best of luck to uh, you hearing back from your friend in the hospital, too. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, that's got me pretty messed up today, too. I was supposed yeah, to actually... I was supposed to actually have a meeting with her today about, like, a work possibility or, uh, yeah, but and then all of a sudden get a Facebook notification. I was like, fuck. That stinks, but that'll be resolved one way or another by the time anyone hears this, so thanks for your retroactive thoughts and prayers, I guess. But I'm uh, Scott McGregor, by the way. This is Pat Delmore. He's over there. Yes, it is. And uh, this is Weekly Heroics, and we'll have the whole crew back with you eventually. And we'll be back next week, whenever next week gets here. Bye now. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.